upon that cross and he rose up from the grave my god still rolling stones away there's joy in the house of the lord there's joy in the house of the lord today and we won't be quiet we shout out your praise there's joy in the house of the lord our god is surely in this place and we won't be quiet we shout out your praise lord we shout out your praise we were beggars yes but we were beggars now we're royalty we were the prisoners oh now
you, Lord, the goodness of the Lord. Amen. Hey, in a moment, we're going to pray, but I want to share something with you. If you remember back November 20th, we had Gary Hansen with us from Convoy of Hope. And something that you didn't know, but he shared with my wife and I that weekend was that he had been diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. And here he was yet traveling to be with us and full schedule. And uh, man, I'll just, all we could do is pray for him. And he wrote this last week and he said, I went to the doctor last week and the report was that there is no evidence of the tumor in my lungs and the CAT scan did not show any cancer anywhere else. He says, I'm dealing with a couple of side effects that will be gone, and then I think I can honestly say I've just beaten stage four cancer. I know how hard that is, so I give all the glory to God. It was the best Christmas gift I can ever imagine. I wanted to say thank you for listening to me when I was there, and also thank you for your prayers. I believe the prayers of God's people made a difference in the courts of heaven. It's incredible, really. And uh, I also want to add to that, sadly, we lost one of our own this week. Uh, Ray Shoup went to heaven Monday afternoon. Uh, he had been found to have cancer, and it was advanced. And I'll, I'll tell you, we really prayed. A number of us really prayed that God would do something. Um, we talked about this in Life Group today in Young Adults, about healings and miracles, and we need them, we want them. But ultimately, the ultimate healing for any believer is eternity in heaven. Amen? That's our real home. We don't really belong here. We're just visiting. We're passing through. And so, you know, I, I want us to pray for his family, for Maria and for his kids, Ray and, uh, and Aaron and other family members. But, you know, again, he is blessed. He's in the presence of God. And that's what makes all the difference. Amen? We don't grieve like the rest of people have no hope. 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul writing to them, reminding them that this life is not all there is. So let's pray for Ray's family. Father, we, we just ask right now for your touch on Maria and, and on Ray and on Aaron and other family members, Lord God. Lord, we, we all stood in the gap, Lord. We prayed, we interceded, Lord. And God, we just thank you that today he is with you and we can know that without a doubt because he loved you. And Lord, I thank you that he knew you personally. And, but Father, there's, there's still this separation while we wait for your return or for our home going. And I just pray that you would be, as your word declares, you are a God of all comfort. I pray that you'd meet their needs. And I thank you, Lord, for touching Gary Hansen. Lord, so busy, serving constantly, Convoy of Hope, raising funds for disaster relief and and for citywide outreaches and for feeding programs around the world. I thank you. I pray, God, that you continue to bless him, Lord, that you continue to bless him and use him for your purpose. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Would you take some time and greet someone, maybe even all the way across the sanctuary this morning? And we just want to reiterate that you are welcome here. And if you are a first-time guest here with us, uh, it, it, I, I just we have these Connect cards that are in front of you, in the seat back in front of you. And if you will be the first one to fill that out, turn it into our guest services. Our pastor will take you out to Sullivan Steakhouse. It'll be amazing. That's actually not true. But if you would fill that out, that would be a tremendous help to us. We would really appreciate it. And we appreciate you being here uh, today. So God bless you. And uh, again, if you could fill that out, uh, bring it to our guest services uh, table out in the lobby, that'd be excellent. We want to receive this morning's tithe and offering. 
And so as our ushers who are faithful every week, like clockwork, these folks are just tremendous people. We appreciate you guys. And, uh, but we want to receive our morning offering today. Lord, we humbly come before you. We are grateful for all you have done, for all you've provided us in so many different ways. Lord, let this offering reflect grateful hearts, uh, hearts full of faith and generosity. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Uh, one announcement, and then we're going to actually watch our announcements on the screen. But that one announcement that I have is a reminder to parents of students and praise youth attending the youth retreat that two weeks from today is going to be our deposit due, uh, not the deposit, the balance due for youth retreat. Again, that's coming up the 3rd, 4th, and 5th of February. And two weeks from today, which is the 29th, will be the balance due. So make sure you take care of that. Uh, come see me if you have any questions, and let's check out today's announcements. 
Hey, we are back with announcements. Uh, we did it a couple weeks ago. We tried it again, and we've added a new member to our team. Thank you. A good to be here. Good to be here. Co-anchor. <laughs> and we just want to update you with things coming up this coming week. Wednesday, we are starting a brand new series on financial stability called Balanced. Uh, that is at 7 p.m. We invite you to come out. It's going to be a great series, and we hope you can be there. Now, what happens on Friday night? Friday, Friday night. If you are a middle school or high school student, if you know one, have them come out yeah. because we've got youth. We've got Praise Youth coming uh, on the 20th this coming Friday from 7 to 10 p.m. Do not miss that night. And yep. then and then Saturday morning is men's breakfast. I mean, the absolute best buffet in all of Delaware or the tri-state area. Mm, and the true. topic in the 33 series we've been going through is on sons. That's going to be good stuff, Very talking good. about sons. And then on Sunday, we have with us the National Row Ranger Commander, Carl Flake, and we have three boys who have three young men who have earned their GMA, mm. uh, the highest level of achievement in the Row Ranger program. Yeah. So we've got a good week coming up and hope you don't miss any of it. I don't know, that, that middle guy doesn't need those other two on either end. I don't. <laughs> We, man, we have a good time uh, filming that. It's, it's very interesting, but we hope that, that helps, that, that gets the announcements out to you. Uh, please read your bulletins for, for more information if you need it. Well, I'm happy to be speaking this morning. I want a show of hands. Who remembers Beatlemania? Really remembers Beatlemania? Sick my pie. You'd have to be like... So this was 1964 where it really came to America. I mean, they had started out in 1960, and perhaps you were, as they called it, a Beatle maniac. I don't know. But we've all seen the footage. The girls were crying. They were screaming. They were fainting. They were shaking. And obviously, these four guys, Paul, John, Ringo, and George, they had something special that made people react in such a way. I want to take you prior to that, 120 years almost, in the past, I find this funny. In the 1840s, there was a Hungarian pianist and composer named Franz Liszt. Sounds like he's related to Hans Fate. I don't know. That's what it sounds like. But they said that there was a, a level of fanaticism that followed him in the 1840s. And there was a poet who actually coined the phrase litzomania. And they even called it Litz fever. Now, in the 1840s, when something was described as mania, literally meant they thought it was something contagious. And there was a push uh, by people in the general population to get immunized against Litz fever or Litzomania. They didn't mess around as we do today with some of these words. But I want you to listen to this, this quote. Litzomania was characterized by a hysterical reaction to Litz and his concerts. Litz's playing was reported to raise the mood of the audience to a level of mystical ecstasy. Admirers of Litz would swarm over him, fight over his handkerchiefs and gloves. Fans would wear his portrait on brooches and cameos. I don't think we wear a lot of brooches and cameos today. Women would try to get locks of his hair. And when he broke a piano string, admirers would try to obtain it in order to make a bracelet. Now I've instructed the ushers to please refrain from anybody approaching me. <laughs> You're not gonna get a lock of hair to begin with anyway, but I'm nothing special this morning. The Beatles in 1964 had international recognition 
and they just took this fanaticism to another level. And if you were at that time a teenager, you're not revealing yourself today, uh, the Beatles were something to behold. In my lifetime, in, in my memories of it, I've probably shared this before, but I have a, a friend that I went to high school with, and his father is first cousins with Bruce Springsteen, the boss, who I do not like. Uh, but I liked my friend. I played along with, oh, he's, he's really good. I like Bruce. You know, but Bruce Springsteen was huge. So my friend actually got an opportunity to play on a tour with him. Um, and if you know Pete Seeger, Pete Seeger kind of sang like folk songs and, and uh, even some, some spirituals, you know, of the day or whatever. And my friend came into Camden, New Jersey. He called. He said, hey, I'm going to be there. Do you want to come? Sure. Me and my wife went. I thought I was going to meet the boss. Never got to meet the boss. Um, but my friend, we came out ahead of time and then... We just knew at the end of the concert, let's just get out of here. I'm not going to go try to see him again. We'll just leave. And I want to tell you, if, if you liken worship to lifting hands and singing and, and, and worship in that way, if you're comfortable in that way, there was a lady in front of us that if you didn't hear the music that was playing, but I could have put on any song we sang here today, you would have thought she was worshiping. She had it, it, everything about her countenance was worshiping. And my thought was, for Bruce Springsteen? Like, it didn't make any sense. I had another opportunity. I've seen him twice. And again, I don't really care for him. But my friend was going. Now, this was in the old Giant Stadium. So imagine a football arena with 70,000 people all singing with this one guy. He had them in the palm of his hand. And they were celebrating and singing and on and on. It likened itself to worship. Today, if you don't know the name Harry Styles, you don't have a 14-year-old girl in your house. Because Harry Styles today, and I want to show you a quick video, this is a fan of Harry Styles. Where's Carson Daly? He's got our crowd. Hi, Carson! Crowd. You were here how long? I've been here since Saturday. Since Saturday. Where are your parents? My goodness, Harry Styles fans. Hi, how are you? Hi, they got their signs out here. They're so excited. What's your name? What? What's your name? Mary. Hi, Mary. Who's with you today? Your cousin's out here, Mary? Oh my gosh. Mary, we noticed during sound check, we noticed, there she is, you were crying. Cousin Harry noticed that you were crying. He's going on tour this summer, and he'd like to give you VIP tickets. Oh, don't, don't hurt yourself. Don't hurt yourself. Are you okay here? These are. No, I'm not kidding you. That's from Mr. Styles. No problem. Harry, it's too bad you don't have any enthusiastic fans here today. I'm sorry. I mean, it's raining. Mary, congratulations. Breathe. We don't want you to pass out. We love you. Thank you for coming. Enjoy the show. Breathe, breathe. Okay, we got you. Come give me a hug. Come here. You're okay. You're okay. We got you. Have fun at the Harry Styles concert. Love on tour. Harry, look what you've done. How dare you? Wow. <laughs> Just another day for Harry. That was awesome. Look at him. He's so nonchalant. He's like, yeah, I know. You know, these girls going crazy. That poor girl, bless her heart. She loves Harry Styles, apparently. Who knows who Harry Styles is this morning? Nobody. <laughs> there are some, I assure you, right back there, I see you. Today, we're speaking on our series of spiritual assessment. We're taking inventory, and I've been tasked with worship. It's an it's a enormous subject, it really is, and it's very deep.
But at its core, it has a definition that I want to read to you this morning. As a noun, it is the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity. And it's got a, a verb, uh, whatever, it's got a verb to it. It's to show reverence and adoration for a deity or take part in. And obviously, this girl, the girls of Beatlemania, the people at the Bruce Springsteen concert, they obviously put a certain value or a feeling of expression in how they felt about that person. The origins of the word worship actually come from an old English word called worthship, and it's derived, I, I love this, it's derived from two words, worth-ship. And so that kind of sends me on another word search, but I want to say that one of the quotes that came out of Beatlemania, listen to this, among the displays of de deity-like worship, fans would approach the band in the belief that they possessed supernatural healing powers. Four young boys from England possessed supernatural healing powers. Worthship. Worth in its noun form is the value equivalent to that of someone or something under consideration. So really, we probably have our own uh, definition of what we look at that we put that kind of value on. In modern times and in our culture, we're faced all the time with American Idol. They, we, we, we pump this stuff out. We, that's what we push. We want somebody to look up to, we, somebody that has our attention. When I grew up, I had guitar idols, guitar heroes. Matter of fact, one just passed away this week, if you're familiar with Jeff Beck. These are people that, uh, I, I, for me, I didn't worship them. I mean, I had posters on my wall. Maybe that is a form of worship. I don't know. But we have phrases, maybe you've heard this, about a husband or a wife or a boyfriend or a girlfriend. He worships the ground she walks on. Husbands, do your wives say that? Do, the, do you worship the ground they walk on? We say these things, and we know that many times it's, it may be innocent. Uh, it's not to the extent that we might look at something being worshipped. But I want you to know this isn't a new phenomenon. This dates all the way back, and unfortunately, it's a timeless one. It, it happened in the past, and it will happen again in the future. But we read in Exodus 32 that God's chosen people, the Israelites, were guilty of idol worship. If you're familiar in Exodus 32, now Moses uh, has freed the people from Pharaoh. God has made a way. He's, he's ushered them out into the wilderness. And now Moses is, is going to the mountain to talk to God on behalf of his people. And God soon tells Moses, those people that you left behind, I'm so, they're so quick to move on. They are so quick, and they're now pleading with Aaron, who is my, Moses' right hand, to build them an idol so that they may be led and they may worship. And so Aaron obliges, and he melts down gold and all their jewelry and all of these things, and he makes a golden calf. And as you can imagine, this angers God to the point that he wants to destroy them. And Moses, as he did time and time again, pleads with God. He intervenes on their behalf, and God says, okay, Moses, I won't destroy them. Now, as we look at spiritual assessment, or we're taking inventory of ourselves, and I'm not trying to make us feel guilty today, 
We, we all have things in our lives that are important to us, and I think God understands that they're important to us. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's your husband or wife or your children. Obvious, these are important to us. Maybe it's money, maybe it's possessions, maybe it's hobbies, maybe you love golf, you fish, you play guitar. That is definitely one of my hobbies. But I've heard several times, and, and you may identify with this, you may have even heard this, that all you have to do is look at somebody's checkbook and you'll find where they're placing most of their value. You know, whether it's entertainment or, or whatever it might be, you can kind of tell where somebody is putting most of their value. And God, yes, absolutely wants our relationships to be healthy. He wants our marriages to be healthy. But when these things begin to take a greater position in our lives than God, that is not God's desire. He wants to be first in your life. Amen. Now, there's a second part to the word worth, and it says the level at which someone or something deserves to be valued or rated. And I want to tell you this morning, God is deserving of your worship. And I added a little word into this verse because it doesn't say it. Revelation 4.11, my word is alone. You alone are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. God alone is deserving of our worship. The second part to that is you and I were created to worship God. We all have this void. If, if, if it's not God that our attention is on, we will fill that void with something else or someone else. Isaiah 43, 20 and 21 says, The wild animals honor me. The jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. You and I were created to worship God. Hallelujah. And because sometimes we can get far, far from him, and it doesn't even have to be that. It could just be a simple unawareness that something has taken the place of God in our lives. And we may say, no, that would never happen, but I want to tell you, it happens. Now, some of you, maybe you've experienced this. The family pet gets more attention and, and affection than you do. Have you, heard, have you seen that? I said to Lynn, just this, I wasn't even going to do this, but I came down in the morning on Saturday morning, and my dog was attacking me. And I said to Lynn, why don't you greet me like this when I walk down the stairs in the morning? <laughs> she said, well, I obviously didn't treat him like you're treating him right now because we were both going back and forth. But I got three cats that kind of, you know, they kind of get up in my, my uh, equ equilibrium there. But no, I don't experience that. But maybe you do. I, you know, you say, you kiss that dog more than you kiss me. You know, I've not said those things. Maybe you thought them. But... Uh, or honestly, you know, and, and all joking aside, maybe you have experienced the betrayal of a spouse. That the love and adoration that was reserved for you went to somebody else. And that's not a good feeling. And I want to tell you this morning that scripture says that God is a jealous God. 
In Exodus 34, 14, it says, it says this, you must worship no other gods for the Lord whose very name is Jealous is a God who is jealous about his relationship with you. Deuteronomy 5, 7 through 9 says, you must not have any other God but me. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, and listen to this, who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. Jesus in, in Luke's gospel says it this way. And these are hard words sometimes that we hear maybe our understanding. It says a large a crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and he said to them, if you want to be my disciple, you must by comparison hate everyone else. Your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. Now, this isn't hatred as in hostility, you know, antagonistic hostility. But here, the, the Greek word literally means hate means to love less or esteem less. Our love for Christ must be so strong that it makes all other loves seem like hatred, if that makes sense this morning. It's hard for us to wrap our minds around that, but I'm telling you, God wants to be first in your life. So we see that worship is a feeling of expression in its noun, but I want to tell you that there is something in showing expression. And if you're like me, my love language is physical touch. I shouldn't tell you that this morning, but it's one of the five. It's the one I rated highest in. So I am all about showing. I am all about affection. And God is requiring that from us. Oftentimes, and, and I fall into this too, when you think of worship, you think of music. I, I do the same thing. That is, my, that is one of the areas that I look at as, as the one I like to do. We all have different tastes, all different ways of doing it. I choose to worship, and whether that means singing or lifting my hands, however it might be. And while that definitely is a, a, one of the facets of worship, it's not the only one this morning. Um, and it's giving our attention and devotion to God in many different areas. Really, to me, worship is, is making sure that God is in his rightful place in your life, in everything that you do. And I want to talk about just a few other types of expressions. Obviously, as I just said, singing. Ephesians 5 says this, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. That's what we did this morning. Together, corporately, we lifted our voices together. We, we lifted our hands. We, we said things to God. To me, worship should always be something reserved for God that I don't give anybody else but God alone. We can also worship God in our commitment to him. Romans 12 says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So in our commitment towards God, we may not always think of it that way, but it truly is the way to worship God. There are many more. There is, there is praying when you give to God, when you give to the church, that is an act of worship. 
And really, we don't, we don't always highlight these certain things. I think we do with, with our giving time. We do make it a point to, to tell you that it is more than just uh, an offering. It is between you and God, and it is in obedience to him that you are giving this morning. We'll talk about one of, the, one of these um, topics in our spiritual assessment is serving. And we're not there yet, but that absolutely Everything you do for this church and serving God and serving others is all an act of worship before him. Matthew 4 says this, Next the devil, this is the devil taking Jesus, took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you'll kneel down and worship me. Jesus said, Get out of here, Satan, for the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. This morning, hearing the word of God is an act of worship. I would say more than that is responding and reacting and fulfilling that word is an act of worship. But all of these things stem from an obedient heart this morning. And the question is, are you obedient to God's word? Because if we are, if we say we are, then we will be doing those, these things. Uh, this is a great verse. I know you've heard it before, but 1 Samuel 15, 22 says, What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. And submission is better than offering the fat of rams. We have so much to offer God. He has given us so much. How can we then say that, no, this is mine or this is reserved for somebody else. Uh, you know, it, again, if we look at our personal relationships, we realize that we, we wouldn't like to be dealt with that way. We want to be, uh, you know, treated fairly with, with one another. But when something, again, between a husband and wife, something is reserved for that marriage and something outside influences that, that hurts. That hurts one another. Maybe you've been there. But that is our relationship with God. God would not have it that way. And not only are these things applicable to the church as a body, because they are vital to the church body, all of these things, but to each individual life, we are responsible and vital to our uh, growing in the Lord is following through with all of these things. It really is and, and should become, you've heard this before, that worship is a lifestyle. It's something that, uh, again, with more practice, just like anything, with more practice and, and saying, God, you know, I, I haven't been giving you, when I, when I give my tithe, I haven't been taking the time to say, Lord, you've given me this, and I want to give back in a form of a tithe to you, God. Really making it something special between you and the Lord in your obedience to him this morning. And although we're not going in any specific order in our series, we have connect, grow, worship, serve, go. These are the topics we'll cover. I would dare say that all of these become futile if we're not worshiping God. If God doesn't have his rightful place as head of our lives and all focus is on him and all glory to him, I fear that there won't be motivation to share the good news of the Lord. I fear that there uh, is no motivation to serve the local body or one another if God doesn't have his rightful place this morning. Foundational to the entire process is worship. 
God must be, must be the center of your attention, my attention, of praise assembly's attention. He must be the center and highest priority. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Hallelujah. We, we all understand, and, and I, I would dare say if you've never experienced it, when we come through the doors, I just had a conversation this morning, to come through the doors anticipating and excited for the opportunity to come to the house of the Lord. To know that when I woke up this morning, I get an opportunity to join with other believers together lifting up the name of God. That's what we do here today. We're not checking off a box. We're not just saying, okay, there's, I can't wait to get to that football game. And listen, I can't wait either. My Giants are playing the Vikings today. Me and Alex got a little thing going on this morning. I love all of those things, but first and foremost has to be God. Hallelujah. So I want to ask you today, is God in his rightful place in your life? Has something or someone taken that affection? Maybe, again, maybe you're not realizing it, and I think in our prayer times we need to pray that way. God, because oftentimes... Uh, I'm not necessarily aware, again, you always hear keep short, account, short accounts with God because you can act out of sin and not repent and then you can forget all about it. And, it and it's still there. So many times at night I will pray to God, if I've done anything to offend you today, not only forgive me for it, but point it out. Let me know what it was that I did. And I can tell you the Holy Spirit can remind you pretty quick. You know, maybe you've been burying it and you think it's, it's not that big of a deal. The Holy Spirit will bring to mind what it is you're doing. But is God in the highest place and the highest value in your life? And true to that is are you growing spiritually with God as your focal point, at your highest priority? As we read in Deuteronomy, again, I, I just can't take away how strong this verse is. God will not tolerate my affection for any other God. God will not accept that from any of us this morning. Romans 1, 20 through 21 says this, for ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky and through everything God has made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and his divine nature. So they have no excuse not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused. It's one thing for all of us to say, yes, I believe in God. But we need to worship him and give him thanks every opportunity. Every opportunity. I pray you wake up in the morning thanking God for a brand new day before you. And when you go to bed at night, you thank him for all that he's brought you through that day. Lord, thank you for making me a blessing uh, to somebody. Thank you for using me. These are all acts of worship. I want to say this too, is that many of you, if you have teenagers, you can identify with this, but God isn't simply looking for lip service. Have you had a child give you lip service? <laughs> It doesn't ever go well with me. Please, don't, don't tell me what you think I want to hear. Tell me the truth. And God is looking for so much more from us than just lip service, if that makes sense to you this morning. 
So this may be a quick sermon. It may be very, uh, you know, just elementary to you. If it is, that's fine. But I want you to look at your inner heart. And I want you to examine it and have, ask the Holy Spirit to examine your heart and say, Lord, am I putting anything else before you? And I pray that the Holy Spirit shows you that today. What I want to do today, if you will, how many remember a Sunday night service where you came around the altar and you just, you prayed, you sang, you just gave God, it was a time of the week, you were getting ready to start a brand new week and you just needed to either get right with God because that week coming up was going to be stressful or you came through a rough week and you just needed to spend time in God's presence today. I'm going to invite Lynn to come up here. And I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning. And what I want you to do is if you want to come and pray, that's fine. But I would like, if, if you will do this, to come around this altar just so we can sing some songs together. Would you do that this morning? Would you stand together with me? And if, if you want to find a place or just come and be the family of God, united and worshiping God. These are simple songs you know. And they're very easily to, to sing. And I want to be able to just lift our hearts to God this morning. Hallelujah. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. breathe. We live for you. We live for you. Tell them Jesus the name. Jesus the name above every other name. Jesus the only one who could ever save. Yeah. 
Him today. Sing it one more time. Today, 
I'm telling you, it sounds like a choir. Somebody over here has got some harmony going that sounds just beautiful this morning. If you would come with the idea that, Lord, I'm coming to church today to lift my voice to you. God, you've done so much for me. Lord, it's the least I can do, but I'm going to do it. But beyond that, to walk out of these doors and say, Lord, use me. Use me as a vessel, Lord, before you, God. Let me be able to minister to others in obedience to you as an act of worship. If you will be more intentional about it, you would recognize uh, where God is touching your life and where he's leading you today. I thank you for, it wasn't indulging me, but you did. You indulged me to sing together, but you sound beautiful. So every time we come together, come with a purpose of lifting up the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Father, as we go our separate ways today, Lord, again, make it intentional on our part, Lord, that we would not just enter into situations lightly, Lord, that we would ask you to use us, Lord, as an act of worship, Lord, that we would just seek your will for our lives, Lord, and, and the will that you have for our lives, God. Lord, go with us today, Lord, and be blessed. Lord, be worshiped today by your people. As we've sung to you, Lord God, I pray that we were joining all of heaven today and singing praise unto you, Lord God. We thank you for the opportunity of coming together, Lord, and I pray that you would bless each one today as we go our separate ways in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you as you go today.